All right, we have a 132 Breeze bonus for you today. Um, this is an interview with Graham Beatty, who is our college basketball Ivy League insider. Uh, we were going to drop this interview in with the Selection Sunday episode, but we thought it was so so good that we would give it its own podcast. Uh, so again, this is with Graham Beatty, who is who played basketball at Harvard, and he goes into his time playing in the Ivy League, what that was like. Um, thoughts on NCAA, uh, a couple more fun questions. Uh, so this is a real fun interview. I hope you guys enjoy it. And with that, let's get to the interview. All right. We have with us Graham Beatty, our official college basketball Ivy League correspondent. He Special, Specialist, Marla. Specialist. I, would, I would consider myself a specialist, yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Our, yeah. Our basketball specialist. Uh, the 132 <laughs> Breeze basketball specialist. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Thanks for uh, having me on your show, Marla. Oh, sounds good. Yeah. So, Graham, first to start off, I, uh, I guess I'd like you to tell me and our, our fellow fans about your, your college experience up until Oh, I'd say the past week I thought that the whole playing Ivy League basketball and going to Harvard was just a thing that we told ladies at the bars to, uh, to kind of pump you up a little bit. I'm a little surprised that all of this is true now. I, my, my, my mind is blown. You know, you know, what's funny is I don't think that line has ever worked for me, you know. Um, <laughs> you know it's just, <laughs> you know, if you say you go to Harvard, you're like, okay, buddy, nice line, like, go away. If you say you played basketball, <laughs> like, where? I don't say, what, Harvard? They have a team? And then, you know, you know they, they walk away then, too. So, no, hey, you know, it was um, it was a great experience. A little background myself, you know, I grew up in uh, northern Illinois and, um, and I played in a public high school called Mundelein, um Middle high school um, and uh, about two thousand kids or so. So you know the great thing about North Suburban Chicago basketball is that uh, it's um, one of the uh, more premier sports, and I think there's just great basketball in Illinois in general. But um, you know, I had the, I had the grades, and I was tall enough, and uh, so uh, when I, I was at a um, one of those, you know, kind of a elite high school student kind of um, showcases, and you know, some random guy comes up to me and says, "Hey, uh, what's your uh, ACT score?" And I was like, "What?" <laughs> I thought we <laughs> were here, uh, you know, to talk about basketball, and kind of gave my answer, and he kind of went away, and and a couple weeks later, I got an invite, um, you know, to to kind of explore Harvard basketball, and it was a it was a letter, and I was from uh, Harvard University, and I was like, "Harvard, what is this?" And I kind of threw it away, actually, so. Luckily, they were more persistent than I than uh, you know that than I was, and um, which is just hilarious to think about. And and uh, and I found myself in a position of thinking about either going to play ball in the Ivy League. Um, I was heavily recruited by Harvard and Yale, uh, or not to brag, you know, <laughs> or and Columbia, yeah, a little bit, but um, yeah, or or like kind of kind of do more like a you know low to mid D one uh, um, uh, school in the Midwest and. Uh, you know, for someone who, um, you know, obviously has a passion for the game, but, you know, doesn't think he's going to be in the NBA anytime soon, being a 6'8 white boy, you know, it's, uh, who can jump pretty well, but has no shot. I mean, so, so your, your options are limited, and I really think it was a blessing because you're able to use basketball to get you to a university that really um, opens some, uh, opens some doors. But, uh, you know, playing in the Ivy League is a very unique experience in that, 
most of us, when we think about D1 basketball, you know, we think about the Big Ten, we think about um, SEC, some of the real large um, organizations where it's almost like the NBA now. There's so much hype and there's, you know, money kind of following and attention following these, these sports. And, you know, what the Ivy League did, at least when I played, was they really want to de-emphasize the, the athlete and really kind of be more of a student athlete type of league. And uh, mm. so, so what it was actually meaning in person? Well, what it means is that you get zero benefits for playing sports in the Ivy League. So, um, you know, you can, you can imagine, uh, you know, putting four hours a day and trying to be competitive in a, um, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a sport. And then, okay, that was nice. Now I'll turn all that off and now compete with some of the smartest kids in the country. And, uh, and what it created was this really strong bond amongst the teammates. Um, it really kind of fine-tuned your ability to, to manage your time. And I think that experience in itself um, you know, really gave me a lot of lessons for later in life uh, when compared to perhaps our kind of stereotypical view of an athlete, which is, Oh yeah, they go in there. You know, they're they're excellent on the field, but then you know someone does their homework, and in their study hall they sit around and take naps, and you know, and you kind of get through college. So, um, yeah, it's maybe a pessimistic view of the world. But like when when I play, we didn't even get to keep our practice jerseys because that was thought as a some kind of benefit to to the uh, to the student athlete. And so you're hmm. you know you're, you're walking around in uh, in sweats that you. Uh, bought yourself um you know from the university uh, uh bookstore <laughs> and, 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 and you're, and, you're, you're and it's just a very different kind of uh, reality than going to wisconsin where you know everyone knows you and you know everyone's kind of pooling in resources to make sure you're successful in the in the ivy league that just wasn't the case you're um you know you're you're a individual who has a talent just like the person next to you in your class has a talent and so there was it was much leveler playing field and um and uh, i thought that was that was i'm not sure if that's the right way to do college sports but um that was certainly my experience yeah perhaps a more uh as the ncaa would think a more student athlete way to do college sports than what we see out of the basketball uh factories and even the, the larger public uh schools like like wisconsin well it's funny I, I remember i visited uh wisconsin as undergrad and um I got more basketball props on a Wednesday during the Wisconsin campus than I ever did in my four years playing at Harvard. You know, I just thought, say, hey, you're tall. You're an athlete. Oh, sure, cool. Let's hang out. You know, whereas Harvard's like, oh, you're an athlete. Oh, you must have gotten here because you can dribble around ball. All right, you know. Um, so kind of a very different kind of view of um, you know of, of the, the the people on campus. Um, did you ever yeah. stop by 132 Breeze? One time. <laughs> When, remember 132 Breeze? Is that the, uh, what's 132 Breeze? Is the big house by the, uh, Camp Randall? The I'm answer sure. is yes, by the way. Yes, I've definitely been to 132 Breeze. Man. But you, I was going to ask what was your favorite memory from 132 Breeze, but you don't even know, you probably don't remember a memory of it. Well, give me, was that the one where it was the, is, I'm assuming we're talking about a bar, right? No, no, it's a house. It was it was the frat house. Remember? Oh, the frat house. Oh, yeah, I had a yeah, great yeah. time there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what was my my best memory from one thirty two breeze? 
I think we're just waking up in uh, destruction and being like, hey, this is a great time, a great place to have a good time. Um, but, uh, you know, not something you can do when you have to be up uh, for two days for the next, uh, you know, two months. So, um, you know, what, what sports does, it keeps you out of trouble, too. You know, it, it really just because of the, you know, keeping your, mo- your body ready to be able to um, perform, you know, from week to week uh, is a little different than... Um, you know, just trying to make it to class in the morning. So, yeah, I keep the bond tight. Hey, you played. Uh, you played. You, you were before Amaker, right? Yeah, so I, I played in the era before Amaker, um, and it's been really interesting to see how the program has changed. Um, certainly, for the better, from a competitive standpoint. You know, I think we're really getting in some some great athletes uh, who you know. Uh, not only are able to compete uh, as um, as basketball players, but you know still kind of adhere to the kind of student athlete kind of principles that Harvard and the Ivy League in general try to emphasize. But very different programs now. You know, I think there is much more an emphasis on on the recruiting. I, I believe there's a lot more resources being pooled for the athletes. You know, I remember. Um, yeah, and I think many many people who have been on the road um, in a college team is uh, you know kind of studying on the way. You just suffered a loss. You have to you got a midterm tomorrow, and you're studying with a flashlight, driving four hours back to to Boston. You know, and that's just kind of uh, um, a very unique experience um, in d- kind of determining what you value in both your education and being an athlete. Um, and I'm not saying that no longer exists, but I think there, there are a lot more resources there at the disposal. Like I've talked to a couple um, recent grads, you know, and they, they, they're able to have very specific study halls and tutors. And, and, and I think if you don't have that as an athlete in college, especially in today's NCAA where it is a big business, is it's, it's very easy to spend too much time on the court as opposed to your principal reason for being there, which is to get an education. So, um, and, and I guess the other real difference is that, you know, Emmerichers had some great success and we were, uh, so, <laughs> we were finally in third place. We were worse. <laughs> yeah. So, but, uh, you know, but the guys are different. Like when I, yeah. when I went, so wait, to, you never, uh, you never, you didn't have, you didn't have five jets and they didn't pay you a hundred thousand dollars to come to school. No, no, they they didn't. Um, at least they didn't pay me. <laughs> at least not. At least not that the FBI can prove. You're safe in the whole FBI investigation. Um, <laughs> well, maybe for, for for this particular reason, I'm safe. You know, for other reasons, uh, it remains to be seen. Um, <laughs> but let me. Th- I'm trying to give you some more color about being an athlete in the Ivy League, and it's. It's uh, well, anyways. When I when I played, you know, the emphasis wasn't there. There wasn't this kind of branding of the sport. Um, you just had just these really eccentric guys who also played basketball. You know, whereas now I feel as a hey, you play, play basketball. You know, do you, do you have a fit at Harvard? Before is perhaps do you have a fit at Harvard and you play basketball? And I think that is just a progression that's happened across all. Campuses as NC as NCAA's have kind of become this massive business of um, 
uh, you know, of, of allowing people to access amateur athletes. So, um, you know, do you, do, do you play better if you get more, you know, swag, more gear, you know, better, more t-shirts and, uh, you know, some, some fun stuff. And, uh, obviously. Some, of yeah. course you do. Of course <laughs> you do play better. <laughs> it goes without question. Um, but, uh, you know, there were, there were times where you felt a little lost, like you're putting in so much time on the court and, um, and there isn't that kind of the big payback, but that, I think that's true of any, you know, smaller school across the country where it's D2, D, D2 or D3. I mean, it's, it's why you're there. It's because you enjoy the game. Um, you can make some great friends, teammates, lifelong friends with teammates. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and, um, and try to be competitive. So I guess kind of along those lines, what would you say is the biggest misconception that a, an average fan, you know, like, me watching college basketball has of, of a collegiate basketball player or, or their experience, um, I guess maybe in the Ivy League, and maybe you already talked to this, but maybe in the Ivy League or in, in, as a college basketball player in general, you know, as I sit on my couch and watch. Yeah, that, that is a great question. And I think when you sit there on your couch and you watch a sport, any, any sport, but perhaps basketball more because it's so much more accessible than football. Like, you know, not everyone perhaps has thrown on pads and gone, you know, gone the gridiron, but most of us at, at some point in our lives has been thrown around ball on some asphalt and try and make a basket, right? And so when you're sitting down watching a game from your couch, it's very easy to forget the level at which these kids are playing at um you know it's it's the speed of the game it's how fast these guys are jumping how fast these guys are, are moving around the court um is is really incredible um you know i would i would say that i played a couple against a couple nba guys in in my career and i would say the jump from a high school player to a d1 player is about the same from a D1 player to an NBA player, um, just hmm. in terms of how strong and big and mean you have to be to compete at the next level. Um, and so, you know, when people say, "Oh, I should have missed that shot," or I mean, and uh, you know, if I, I could, I could have made that three. Yeah, you know, maybe you could have made a three. You know, standing in your backyard from, you know, with, with a slight breeze. Uh, what, uh, you know, after you just had a you know a beer or two, sure, yeah, you can make a couple shots. But can you make it? You know, on a on a court after playing, you know, ten games in the last uh, month and a half, and you know, you've got you you're worried about your finals too, and and all the other kind of normal work kind of worries you have as a student. You know, it's like, you know, am I studying the right thing? Am I? You know, where's my career going to go? Um, in all the normal college stuff, like which is you're trying to you know meet young ladies or young boys or you know if, if you and it's just it's all those kind of normal kind of emotions as as you kind of grow up and develop as a person. Oh, and by the way, you're being scrutinized, you know, for every foot you know placement of your foot on the court. So I think people, I think especially today with so much social media, people are being put on blast. Like I think there's a lack of empathy to recognize how much time and effort it takes to get to that level um, and, and be successful. Interesting. I'll, I'll tell you what, no matter where the three-point shot is, 
whether it's in the backyard or or in a court, I am I am not making it. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I'll tell you that. Yeah, it's you know, but it's funny though. Like a free throw, a free throw is, is what fifteen feet from the basket, a hoop ten feet up, and you could walk over there. You could take a round ball. You could chuck it at the board. At the at the hoop, and a couple times it's going to go in. And it's very easy to yeah. say, "Oh, well, I can." I, I just did that. That's pretty cool. Um, you know, maybe I can't believe that guy missed the shot lat uh, on the last game yeah, that we that we just watched over Buffalo Wings. You know, and okay, well now let's do this. Why don't you only get six hours of sleep for a week, and then <laughs> and then run, you know, sprint six miles a day. And, and more, and then you know now go in the weight room at least two times a week, and then you know now quick quick do a uh, a test in the morning, and then get yelled at by your girlfriend in the afternoon, and then now stand <laughs> which, up and, and, which, and make that which happened a lot to you. Well, well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's important to put things in the right perspective, but but yeah, you know, like that's that, that's the thing. It's like that, and that's why we appreciate athletes in the first place because they are able at sometimes do these superhuman feats, uh, you know, um, and, and compete. And that and that's why we watch sports in the first place is because we kind of demand this, um, you know, the uh, for lack of a better word, like these. Not, not, I want to say the word heroes, but like you know, in your classic kind of. Um, uh, you know, literature, there's always something you're kind of rooting for. And so, you know, we, we root for these student athletes because, you know, we think that they're um, our champions, right? And, and that's a very special thing and exciting, especially on the campus when there's so much great camaraderie. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you're for your school, you're cheering, uh, cheering for your region, and, and that's a lot of fun. Um, but, uh, but it's easy to, f- to forget that, you know, that that's a student out there it's not a professional athlete who can, you know, do their job, practice, and then be off their feet, you know, all week and, and mm-hmm. kind of recuperate. It's, it's a student who still needs to pound the payment on the campus, get to class, um, you know, get, uh, you know, to the normal day-to-day routine of getting up in the morning and making sure you eat and ride. And, and oh, yeah, and, oh, and by the way, having some fun while you're at it, you know. So it's, um, it's important to recognize it's a sport. We do it for fun. Um, but it, uh, you know, it's uh, it, it certainly um, is a challenge, uh, you know, for a lot of students out there. Okay, so was watching, taking it to the tournament now, right? Sure. I uh, was watching the. I, I, for that case, did you have another another serious question by chance? No, I'm okay. No more serious <laughs> questions. <laughs> no more serious. Um, I may I may have a couple. So I was watching yeah. the right. tournament, watching the tournament, Ivy League tournament. Yeah. Um, today have a couple observations that I want to get your feedback on. Uh, so Penn pulled out a close one against your Harvard. Uh, sorry for your loss. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. It, it took it took me a while to get over that one. I, uh, I had my, um, I, I dressed up my girlfriend in my old jersey and I put on a sweatshirt and a hat to rock the Harvard, uh, you know, rock the Harvard Crimson. And, you know, what's also funny with the Ivy League is, you know, you, you walk outside in a Wisconsin shirt, and people give you high fives. Like, yeah, awesome, yeah high Wisconsin. five every Wisconsin and, person. Yeah, of course, of course you will. Like, you, you walk out in a Harvard T-shirt, like, oh, who's this asshole? You know, you think you're better than me? You know, so like, it's a funny thing in the Ivy League is you really can't cheer for your team outside of the context of that of the you know the Northeast Coast because 
at a college like Wisconsin, where everyone's there um, pulling for the school and Bucky the Badger, you wear a, a bright red uh, Wisconsin t-shirt, and you walk down the street and you give people high fives, you're feeling good, it, it builds camaraderie. Whereas in the Ivy League, if I walk out to a bar with a Harvard t-shirt, you're immediately the asshole. Like you're, you're immediately <laughs> some pretentious guy just trying to like you know walk around shredding his stuff, and and I think that it's a little bit unfair because as athletes, that kind of it's like can I, can I even cheer for my own team without <laughs> looking like a looking like a jerk? But uh, it, 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 I think that's a very unique thing with Ivy League that you may not find in other institutions. Hmm. Is this immediate bias against you? Um, for being pretentious, and and my honest answer was when I when I when I packed up and headed east, um, and 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 was on the you know Harvard campus and the Harvard Yard that that first um that first semester, I was struck not how not how by pretentious people were, but just how genuinely interesting and engaging and intellectually curious um, everyone was. And I really didn't find kind of this Ivy League pretension that I had, um, you know, kind of been warned about. And to be fair, there are people like that. That, that there's people like that in every college campus, you know, who, uh, you know, are unable to kind of like um, get over themselves. But uh, um, but the Ivy League, you kind of couldn't because everyone there was was just really just incredible students that, um, you know. You could say, "Hey, I'm a good basketball player," and the person next to you is like, "Oh yeah, well, I just solved to you know medical epidemics, so that's cool." And the person next to them is like, "Oh yeah, well, I uh, you know I built you know villages in, in a third world con- country in Africa." And the person next to that is like, "Oh, that's cool." I made Facebook. Well, yeah, yeah, I made Facebook. That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> or uh, you know, I'll be running my you know running companies uh, in the next uh, oh in the next couple of years. So it's a, just a it's a kind of a funky, weird. Uh, place to be an athlete um, in, in the Ivy League. It's funny you brought that up because I yeah. have a question here. Because um, yeah, like I said, like I was watching the game, and I, you know, I'm not used to seeing on television nerds watch other nerds play basketball. And after pin one, and it, it, pin had like a home home court advantage, which they did. I don't, I, I don't think it's right. The Plestra is like the tr- is a mecca. It's a it's like yeah. a holy place. In 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 the world of basketball, yeah, it is an awful place to play, yeah, um, as a visiting team, and here's why. I, I'm pretty sure it was it, it's still like this, but there is, if you imagine the length of the court and you look up, there is a bank of lights, yes, only on one side of the court. So, if you're turning around for like a baseline shot, you are blinded by all the lights in the entire place. Going right at you, and and then from the opposite side, there's this weird shadow effect. So, and I was thinking to myself, like, those those pen guys, they're they're pretty savvy. They're not going to fix the light problem because it gives them a <laughs> home court advantage, and uh, and that's how and that is the only reason that Penn won that game, by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if it was at home or any other kind of uh, mutual court, I, I think uh, Harvard had the edge. So that was, that was a tough one to lose. You know, we lost our. Best player to a knee injury, you know, a couple of minutes yeah. left in the game, and you know, and there's a kind of there's a questionable call there too, and I won't begrudge you the details, but um, well, there but, you have uh, it. Graham Beatty says pen cheats. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. 
but yeah, after after the game, yeah, all their fans rushed the court, um, and it was kind of the most awkward court storming I probably saw because they they kind of celebrated for like a minute and then they kind of looked around like, what do we do now? And I was thinking, is that because they have to go study? Or they just start worrying about their test again? You know what? It's, 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 the reason is because they don't really care. (laughs) The real reason. (laughs) If if you actually, it was funny, it was was a broadcast game on ESPN2. And if you looked at when the cameraman would pan the crowd, Instead of people, you know, if you're watching a Wisconsin game or like a Duke game or, you know, all these other kind of great teams, like, you know, you can see the fans super intense upon the game where they're jumping, they're hollering. Every now and then they might make a funny face at the, at, at the camera. But at Penn, what I saw was <laughs> a lot of kids just, like, trying to look cool, trying to pretend <laughs> like they care. They don't care about basketball. They got other, you know, they're doing all the other stuff. I mean, it's just, it's hilarious. I mean... Playing the Ivy League, you know, your friends came to watch your games, you know. Um, maybe every now and then you'd talk a professor to come down to fill the seats. And if it was a big game, like a big rivalry, you know, you'd, you'd fill the seats. But uh, it, it's, uh, you know, it, it, let me tell you this. Not one not one time in my four years of playing at Harvard did I ever did anyone ever stop me on the sidewalk and say, oh, oh 44, nice, man, nice, uh, nice hook. Last game, that was sweet, and uh, it's ne- like no, never happened, never happened. It might happen now. It might happen now because I do feel the schools, even the Ivy League now, have really rebranded their athletes as this kind of, uh, you know, as something to be sold back to alumni, sold back to the the existing students, kind of get them a little more excited. But uh, at the base of it is no one cares about basketball in the Ivy League, um, but. Uh, but except for those who play it, and except for those who really enjoy the game, and you do get those people there, um, people there to you know to uh, to cheer you on. So, so, so that that's that's kind of fun. But you're right. I mean, I believe kids are awkward. You know, they are dorks. You know, they they they, they rush the court and then don't know what to do. I mean, that's that's just um, it's just that's just the way it is. You know. Yeah, I mean, the, the closest thing we have is like Northwestern. Sure. We get we get on them pretty good. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Northwestern is, um, man, I saw a game years ago when they played U of I. I don't think they got the ball past half court for 20 minutes, so that was, so that was tough to watch. But. <laughs> that, was, that was the only Northwestern. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> okay, um, well, yeah, so it seems that you are uh, a big fan of Penn, sounds like, um, uh, but they whatever. do cheat, so they don't have <laughs> <on> the record. <laughs> they, they, they always bend the rules. I think, uh, man... Yeah. See, when I play, Penn and Princeton were the two top teams, and so okay. it's always so, fun. And then Harvard was number three, so it was always yeah. Fun so when you play, out. actually, when you played, yeah, um, they didn't have a conference tourney. They did not. Right? They did not. Yeah. So oh, do you, you like you it, do you like it better now that they do? <sighs> um, or would I you do. like to play in the tourney, or would you like it how you played with just the regular mm. season going to the tournament? I, I will tell you why I like it, and the reason is. The Ivy League season starts, um, you know, after the Christmas break, and there is. I'm trying to like just cast my mind, my mind back. I th- I've blocked out this memory because I've hated <laughs> Februarys ever since. Um, because they make you. I'm trying to remember exactly, but the way the schedule wor- worked out was that 
they made you take your midterms after the Christmas break, which meant that the oh. coaching staff wanted to keep you on campus and and practicing. I can't remember if we had a game or not before the first midterm, but like February was the worst month in the world because you weren't done with your first kind of round of classes. You had no games in the near future because, you know, because of the exam schedules, but you still had to practice almost like preseason and get back in shape because there's such a long gap between the last game you played. So now take that feeling of just like just general misery of not even being able to play and just practicing again while all these other academic things are hanging over your head. Now accompany that a little bit further in the season that you just lost three games and there is no way you can make the rest of your season successful. It's like if you go down three games, there is zero reason for you to be playing for the rest of the season because you can't get back. You can't, there's no way you can get back to uh, even having a shot of making the big dance. And so yes. it just was – It was it, especially my junior year, we were basically an awful basketball team. Um, it, that just made it really tough to kind of keep, keep pushing – when you know you're, you have no ch- shot at making it to the tournament, and um, but you still kind of want to be competitive. Um, so I do like the little mini tournament thing they're going on because at least you can fight for that, you know, that third or fourth spot, and um, you know, improve your game, improve your team, and and, and try and uh, get a championship. But um, yeah, that was that was pretty brutal. It's not, there's some dark times out there when <laughs> <laughs> when when. when 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 you're an athlete, you know you, know, you want to win, but you're not. And then you got you're competing against some of the best students in the, in the country, but you're not because they're just destroying you. And the reason is simple: like you know, you you're losing four to five hours a day because you're on a basketball court, or you're going over film, or you're training. And so to continue to compete against other other students there um, it's 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 a lot to ask of uh, of, of any athlete um, and i think this is true of any college you go you go to um, but uh, yeah there's there's some dark times there <laughs> dark. we just we just took Grant to a really dark place like, like yeah i know it's, it's like <laughs> oh february is the worst or maybe it's january they both suck i don't know <laughs> they're, yeah they're all months yeah they're uh, all months yeah, yeah no there's that's really interesting because I kind of view it from from a fan standpoint, uh, and maybe this is a little bit of the the soccer fan in me uh, coming out. But the fact that you could have a, a team in a mid major conference who does well all year, uh, I can't think of an example this year, but let's because uh, I think the closest I can think of is like Rhode Island, who you know they're going to make the tournament. Um, ah, that's a bad example. Strike this from the the close yeah. uh, from the from the record. <laughs> Uh, but just, I kind of think, let's even think of the Ivy League in the past where you have a Yale or you have a Harvard who, you know, dominates the regular season. And then in the tournament, a pen comes out of nowhere or, or something of that sort where, you know, the better team who has established other, the better team throughout conference play, uh, when all things are equal, does not make the tournament because of a hot streak by a team that, you know, didn't do well throughout the year, but had a hot streak in, in in the conference tournament. So I think it degrades the regular season. So it's from a fan standpoint, I kind of want to see that regular season representative, you know, who 
kind of more overall seemed like the better team, but then a, in a tournament standpoint, this other team got hot or, or performed better or was even better during those couple weeks or, or that weekend, uh, then gets the, the bid. It seems strange to me, um, but it is interesting here in your standpoint that for those teams who, you know, maybe didn't win the, the regular season, that they still have a, a chance to compete and a reason to compete. No, that's fair. Like you know, if a team grinds it out and they're at the top, they sh- they should be able to to move forward. But uh, you know, you're, f- you're forgetting a critical comp- component, which is that no one cares about Ivy League basketball. <laughs> 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 I don't, I don't, I don't know of any uh, of any friends there. You know, working the math on who, you know, on who's going to who's yeah. the best probability of, of pulling out at the at the end. You know, and and. I, I, your point is well taken. You know they, they still will get the stamp of being the right the seas league the league champions. But with the the whole point of the sport is to on you know on game day you know bring your best team forward, prepare with with, with your teammates, and have the best competition you can, and and if you just kind of give the go ahead to the team. Um, who's had some success during the season, I think, it, I think it does degrade the what makes sports fun, which is watching teams evolve, watching people rise and fall, and kind of building up to one single moment, to that one kind of gladiator moment where um, everyone can, uh, you know, really push themselves and their teammates to see if they can have some success. And... Um, and so, well, I take your point that you know, do, perhaps a team deserves to be in the big dance. I mean, maybe yes, maybe no, but that's you know, that's what sports is. You know, a bounce a ball bounces the wrong way, or a, you know, like today, a ref makes an interesting call on could go on the other way, or um, you know, or, or someone goes down with an injury. You know, it's it, I think that's what keeps a sport interesting. And I'll tell you this: it was not interesting playing basketball when you knew a Penn or a Princeton already had the whole league locks because you lost one game, you know, three months ago. I mean, that that's that's hard to kind of um, tell your fans, hey, keep coming to this game because, you know, it doesn't really mean anything, you know, um, you know the, the, the two fans that you have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds tough. And, um, and, and, t- and take my counsel with a grain of salt. I mean, it yeah. was fun playing. I know there are... There were some exciting filled uh, gyms where you know people were going back and forth, and and the, and the crowds were into it, and and there are definitely some great moments um, in the uh, you know in the league when when I played, and uh, and that, that still happened, you know, obviously uh, as as the uh, conferences kind of keep keep, keep uh, moving on, but um. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think those days of the student athlete are behind are, are dead. You know, now it's 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 more like a branded athlete as opposed to a student athlete, um, just because of the the accessibility. You know, technology's got a lot better. You know, it's it's very easy to task some people and 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 um, and start churning all the churning out all these uh, um, you know marketing kind of things out. But uh, you know, I think Tommy Amaker's done an incredible job. Obviously, he's had very well in recruiting um you know we've had some players go on to great success you know obviously uh um god I'm losing his name what's his name we'll play in the nba um, jeremy lynn yeah obviously jeremy lynn you know kind of put us on the map in terms of 
a school someone can go to and still go to the NBA. Um, Although freaking Jeremy, Jeremy Lin, that whole thing, if he wasn't like, if he was on like Charlotte and had that week, he made so much money in one week. It's unreal. Like, he had that awesome it. week because he's with the <laughs> Knicks. And it's like, he made, he became an international like brand. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess that's the Harvard education. Well, I think, well, it's also, you know, he's, you know, uh, he's a prominent Asian player, and there haven't been many Asian players in the NBA, obviously, and I think that's a big piece of it, too. Um, yeah. You know, uh, but he did have some awesome games, and his story was great. I mean, that guy was sitting on a, I think the story goes that, like, before he went to the summer league, he was sleeping on his buddy's couch uh, over the summer, you know, training, just kind of getting his thing together, and then, you know, you know, just a few heartbeats later, he's an international basketball star, you know, who's going to be a journeyman, a successful journeyman through the league, you know, and hopefully he'll have a great career. So, um, you know, I think part of it was like people being shocked that, oh, a Harvard dork can, can ball. I think that they, that was part of it, part, part of the story that made it interesting. And, and part of it was his accessibility by a different fan base. Yeah. I should take it back. He's still in the league. Graham, you so. met- What's up? Graham, you yeah. mentioned kind of the, the, the branding of uh, college basketball players and kind of the, the money that's poured into to the program. And as we see the FBI investigation and I guess kind of a larger scale sentiment of, of paying players or allowing players to make money, have you put any thought into uh, what, that would, what that would look like or, or what you would like to see as far as, uh, you know, collegiate athletes, maybe not at Harvard, but... Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I, in a general respect. Yeah, no, that's, that's an excellent question. I haven't put too much thought into it. Um, the only way it really affected me was when they were doing the um, the college video, college basketball video games, <laughs> and they made me as a player, and I saw my number up there, but that player could not dunk, and that was, <laughs> that affected me both you know, <laughs> emotionally and spiritually. That you know. That they didn't take the time to really dig into my you know, stat chart, my my dunk to layup ratio, you know, I think really was unfair. Um, <laughs> but uh, and I think I got a check for that too. I think there was a settlement, and that you know all the likenesses that yeah, were yeah. used in video yeah. games, ridiculous video. I think uh, Nig- Nigel Hayes a part of that. Oh, I can't remember, but um, might have been the the Ed Bannon lawsuit. So, yeah. so should should students be paid for being? For playing a sport, I don't think so. I think there is a clear, there needs to be a clear distinction between someone who's attending university and playing versus someone who's a professional who wants to go make money at a high level. However, I do think However. that the NCAA has turned itself into a money-making machine, and there needs to be some check and balance to either support the athletes in a way um, that is consistent with the money that's being made for the universities or, you know, pouring a specific amount of that money back into the educational programs and and things of that nature. You know, does it make sense for, um, you know, for like boosters to be, um, I don't know. know. It's it's hard for me to say. Um, It's, I think it's all part of the game. I think obviously without boosters and without building a brand and a program, a lot of universities would 
not be able to build a sense in the community and provide the services that they're able to provide because the sports does drive people to you know drive long distances and watch a lot of TV to to feel that pride and, and stay involved and, and give back to the university and thus give back to the community. But it, it something seems off. Something seems a little bit off in in how much they can use a amateur athlete's likeness in commercials in some of these other kind of promotions um, uh, you know without there being a more clear kind of path for how the benefit of using that that student that uh, you know you know there's just there's just a, a few years past a teenager um, to make sure it goes back and, uh, and benefits those uh, benefits those individuals, and at the same time, not giving these kids an inflated sense of self when you know it's four four years in the spotlight, and then what? You know, if you just breeze through your degree and didn't really invest the time in yourself, other than being an athlete, you know, I think a lot of a lot of people are left with um, you know really limited choices and so should the university be setting aside some dollars for those students that, that aren't that do get taken advantage of in some way and that should be um, given a better shot I mean our, one, one side you can say well heck why aren't they going to class and why aren't they bettering themselves that's why they're they're there but the reality is the way the the way the coaches frame it and the way the university frames it is you're here, sure, you're getting a free education, but you're here to play basketball. And this other self will take care of, but your primary role is to be a superstar. And I think the, if universities are messaging to, to kids that they're going to be superstars for a couple of years, what happens? How, how do you come back from that? Like, what, you know, you, you're four years and you're, telling, you're being told that you're awesome, and then either you get injured or you don't make it to the next level or you, or you don't really learn the lessons that you need to support yourself after that, you know, where's the safety net for those kids? Cause a lot of times, you know, sometimes it's their fault. They probably too hard. They didn't take advantage of um, the resources available, but sometimes it's not their fault. Sometimes they've been, they've, been, they've been told to do a very specific thing and it's all planned out for them for the full four years. And they come out and they're like, Oh, wait a minute. Well, I thought you had my back. I thought I thought this was part of the, you know, this is part of the education, and um, and and I think we all we all heard those stories of uh, you know of the guys who who fall hard, and um, so I don't know. I think to, I think there's got to be a balance, like all things, but I think the NCAA should perhaps be a little more prudent in how using the um, individual athletes. In their promotions, um, should perhaps fund or help support athletes that you know do get passed over, or um, or just or just go back to the general fund and just benefit the university at large, not just get a bigger stadium and not just more salaries for a coach, because that's you know that's um, that's a nuclear arms race that where at the end you're, there's so much dollars being poured into the sports that you know perhaps that should have gone towards the university um, thing. So. Um, but then again, you know, we all want to have fun and we all want to see a good game. And how do you do that? You got to hire the talent, um, and, uh, and and have some fun with it. So, now that was a really long-winded kind of rambling response to your question. But uh, you know, I think there are some nuggets in there of, of at least uh, you know one guy's uh, perspective. No, I think it, I think it was interesting, kind of hearing your take on it and kind of the 
the duality of of the problem. It, you know that to some extent you feel like there should be some sort of compensation, but you, you know you don't know what that is, and you don't know what. It's just a complicated question, and just kind of hearing you talk through it from your your vantage point was very interesting to to kind of hear all of uh, maybe not all of, but a lot of different sides of of the conversation. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like. Yeah, you know, I just had a, a funny little thought about it. It's like, maybe this is a this is gonna be a very silly example, but let's say, you know, Mar Marlo's an attractive guy. You're both attractive guys. So let's say Marlo, you know, he's, he's from oh, Wisconsin. It's a, and, it's uh, a podcast. They won't know. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Mar 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 you know, Marlo's a good-looking guy. He uh, he's on the he's on the crew team at Wisconsin. He's had some success, and hey, we want to put you on a magazine. And, uh, you know, just highlight some things. Well, at that point, are you an athlete or are you a model? You know, it's like, are you, are, are you just, you know, are, are you an advertisement or are you an athlete? And if you're an advertisement, well, maybe that, that individual should get a cut of using their, their likeness in some of the promotions. But if it's, you know, mm -hmm. a team kind of thing, then no, you know, you're there as part of the team and, uh, and you and you should just enjoy the spotlight while it's there, and then you know enjoy being an athlete, and then you know uh, and move, move up from there as uh, as you do and, and as you graduate. But um, yeah, it, it's it's interesting. You know, I'll tell you what, um, I certainly didn't have that problem in Harvard. No one came to my door and said, uh, "Here's a bucket of cash." You know, yeah, no car, <laughs> yeah, no, no no cars, no. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, um, hundred dollar bills underneath my uh, plate of cold chicken that they served us right before games. You know, so <laughs> I tell you what, Harvard's a different animal. I mean, I yeah. say this is true in the, in the Ivy League too, but like you know, we our pregame meals, which you know, you think about the nutrition and how much it goes into these other big name programs, was well, they just reheated old cold chicken breast and threw some butter on it and with some pasta, and that was our kind of our pregame meal and. Uh, you know, then you hear about these other shops where it's like, you know, fine tuning the amount of fats and proteins, those other kind of stuff. Um, it's just a different experience. It was a student athlete experience. It wasn't a uh, a brand athlete experience, if I could if I could use that uh, terminology. Hmm. So you heard it here, kids. If you want to play basketball, go to Harvard. That's an experience. <laughs> well, <laughs> well um, but. Hey. <laughs> All right, so I'm just um, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up here. Sure. But this was a lot of fun. Thanks for joining. Yeah, I've, thanks for having uh, me on. I'm happy I'm to a, have to give you more perspective as uh, you know as the seasons move on. It's, yeah, it's, it's a lot. I'm of gonna fun let you. I, I got I got I got one one more quick or a quick question. This is pretty serious. Sure. Since we've been serious this whole time. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so you played your high school ball at Mondelein. I did. Go Mustangs. Ever you forward, onward, always. We had a pretty successful uh, Wisconsin Badger come from Mundelein and Bryn Bus, Brit, <laughs> Ben Brust. Yeah. So, question to you: Who had a better high school career? <laughs> uh, uh, probably him. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, I, I think yeah, yeah. High school is so funny. Um, you know, as we all get older, we all reminisce about about uh, the different steps that we've had. And um, you know, it, it, I think every high school athlete should like 
with their team, with their coach, go watch a college game or go watch an NBA game so they can see what it takes to get to the next level, you know, because it's easy just kind of like be pushing along at, at, at your level and, and, and having success. But, um, you know, I think just perspective is important for a lot of these, a lot of these kids. I, I, I think in the grind of recruiting and, you know, being in the season and off season, a lot of times we forget that it's a game. It's a game that we love playing, um, that, uh, you know, you got to think about where the next step is, whether, whether it's that, you know, increasing your level of play because you under, now understand what it takes to get to the next level. Or if, you know what, this basketball is fun for a couple of years and, uh, you know, I'm going to go pursue something else once, once the, once the run is over. Um, but I, but I tell you that, I'll tell you this, Marlo. Uh, All right. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Graham. Uh, thanks for taking the time to listen to this, this special edition of the 132 breeze podcast. As always, feel free to leave us a five-star review. Uh, please subscribe and share the podcast with your friends and hit us up on Twitter at 132Breeze. And we will see you next for the next episode of 132Breeze. I, I would say that I have, I have the better photograph of, of, my, uh, of, of any um, previous Mundelein uh, um, High School basketball player. And, that, and that's the one of uh, dunking over at Libertyville in a senior year. That, that, that picture is pretty vicious. I need to I think they need to put that, you know, in the front of the uh, high school. It would be my uh, <laughs> suggestion. <laughs>